If science tells us how things work, spiritual principles teach us how we apply them in our lives. So when we hear something new and make a shift in our mind, in our heart, and in our body, we make room for wisdom to emerge within us. This podcast is created to help you and me to get to know ourselves more, now more than ever, as our global family is going through a massive shift. Because the better we know ourselves, the better we'll be equipped to embrace life's extremes. Each episode will have a guest or a message that marries both science and spirituality on topics such as mindset, health, personal growth, and business. I'm your host, Arabelle, and welcome to Being Human. Hey, Mark, welcome to the Being a Human podcast interview with me today. I am super excited that you are here with us. Thank you for having me, Arabelle. It's an absolute pleasure, and I'm really excited to chat about all the stuff we're going to chat about today. Before we chat, I have actually asked my community what they want Ooh. to ask you when it Ooh, comes to okay. dating yep. <laughs> and relationship. Yeah. And also like I've sent your stuff to my team and to some of my close community. And I also said, hey, look, this is the guy that I'm going to be interviewing. And obviously they saw your photo and they're like, oh my God, we are not missing this interview. So, oh, that's you- very sweet of them. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm excited. Very excited. Yay. Amazing. All right. So my first question to you is, as the name goes, our Mm -hmm. podcast is called Being Human. So what does being a human mean to you? To me, being human is the acceptance of the imperfections that we all have. I, I don't know if that's overly simple or what you're looking for, but I just see us as we're all imperfect. We all get presented with this image growing up that we should be something or that we need to be something. And just understanding that being human means we are not those things. We're not perfect. We're not going to be ever. We're allowed to be wrong. We're allowed to be insecure. We're allowed to have the emotions we have. That acceptance for all of those things. And I think a lot of my work with clients is the more they find that acceptance for whether it's their mistakes, their emotions, their feelings, their needs, whatever it is, all the things that literally make them human, I think a lot of the personal growth process is about just finding acceptance of those things. My experience has been the more that clients come to that realization that I'm okay, I accept these things, the less stress they have in their lives, the better they feel about themselves and even the better results that they go ahead and get in their relationships. I love that you said that. You've already set the tone for our chat today. And I 100%, actually 1000% agree with you because once we start owning who we really are and once we start really seeing that we are perfectly imperfect, then our uniqueness starts to shine. And that's been years and years of work for me and I'm still work in progress, but I'm Super excited yeah, me too. to chat. Me too, yeah. yeah. It's a continual work for all of us because there's always new sort of layers of the onion, isn't there? We go, oh, that's something I'm not fully accepting in myself. But I think the more that you can come to, to full connection with you, the less trapped energy there is. All sorts of good stuff comes from that. Amazing. Love that. So, Mark, if I were yes. to ask people around you to describe you in three words, what would they say? Oh, uh, people generally say I'm pretty driven, 
pretty passionate about what I do. I like my high energy moments, but I tend to also be a pretty calm presence. I think one of the things my clients appreciate about me is there's pretty much anything that they can say and I'll say, yeah, awesome. Like, let's own that. That's great. So that acceptance, I don't know what you call that, but there's like a certain sort of acceptance or calm energy that people seem to feel around me. Yeah. Amazing. I can see all of that in you for sure. Oh, thank you. So, <laughs> what would you, so I'm I, curious, what would you say? What are your three? <laughs> Why did I know that you were going to ask me that? I'm actually curious okay, yours. about yours. Okay. I am definitely extremely driven. I'm passionate mm-hmm. and I'm also a little bit extreme. <laughs> extreme. I like it. I like that <laughs> Yeah. But um, that's something that I'm working on because I always say that if I see water, I'll just jump. I don't know how deep it is. And I'm like, I'll learn how to swim when I get in there. That's good. And that's bad mm-hmm. too. That got me into trouble so many times. <laughs> So let's talk about dating because that's something super exciting. Love dating. Yeah, absolutely. And I've also watched a lot of your videos on YouTube and I love your advice to people. Like that's so practical, simple, and everybody can practice that. So I've been secretly taking notes as well. So that's good. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So the first question that I have for you that a lot of people ask me is two people meet And a girl is like, I think he likes me. I don't know if he likes me. So what are the signs that women can look for when they meet a guy, whether he likes them or not? You mean in an early, I've just met this person and I'm just sort of interacting with them. I mean, usually the signs are pretty obvious in those sorts of scenarios. You'll see the eye contact, you'll see the moving towards you, the touching, the more attention on you, focus towards you. I will say this on that question. You know, I get a lot of people who come to me and say, well, well, does he like me? Kind of almost, it's like solving a bit of a mystery. And there's a difference between does he like me and does he like me and is going to do something about it? Really separate those two because there'll be a lot of people that, that like you. I mean, I, when I broke up with my ex, like I still had feelings for her for months after we broke up, but I never did anything about it, right? Because I still mm-hmm. believed it was the right decision. So you'll get a lot of people, guys, girls right throughout your life that like you, but don't do anything about it. Try not to get too bogged down in, in the mystery of, of solving if someone likes you. It's very simple if they're going to do something about it which is just you give them a green light, clear green light, super simple. Hey, it'd be great to continue this or hey, here's my number. Give me a call or hey, it'd be great to catch up again. It's very, very straightforward. Just make sure that the other person is kind of aware. Yeah. And then from there, you just, you can kind of wash your hands of it. He might like you and do nothing about it or he might like you and do something about it, but you've kind of done your end of it, which means it's super easy and you don't even have to worry if he likes you. He might, who knows, but doesn't really matter question is does he do something about it right so the big question is a lot of women feel that okay i think he likes me or i think he's attracted to me okay we've been exchanging looks and stuff like that but should i approach him first or should i let him approach me that's like the big question that a lot of women (laughs) i'm impressed you're getting that question in covid time because the last few months i've had that question a lot less yeah, um, true. <laughs> but yeah, if you're making the eye contact and the guy's doing nothing, like you can do a little beckon or you can do a smile, a come hither look. And yes, there has been times as well where you could even walk over and, and do it yourself. But don't get into the habit, at least my advice would be, don't get into the habit of doing the heavy lifting for the guy. It's a little bit like on Bumble where the girl might reach out, but it doesn't mean you're going to do all the work, right? You, you might kick things, you might give him a helping hand, you might like make it obvious, you might even beckon and give him a smile. Just 
you can make yourself clear without doing it for him. So mm. it's, it's nice in the feminine energy for you to be chased and for him to lead. If you're hiding in the corner and not looking at him, the guy's not going to do anything, right? Unless he's mm. very drunk. So you've <laughs> got to give the signals. You give the yeah. green lights, make it obvious. But my advice would be don't do it for him. Make it mm. obvious yourself. And then he will get into the habit if he likes you and wants to do something about it. He'll learn mm. that, oh, every time I get a clear signal, I get rewarded for doing something about it. And he'll get into the habit of doing things about it. And yeah. your signal, he does. You signal, he does. And you get that nice feminine chasing dynamic. And is it true that guys are naturally wired as hunters and then that they like to hunt and they like to chase and it's, it's their job to do that? Or has times changed now that it doesn't really matter? Like, are the roles not clearly defined anymore? Yes, but you've got to be careful with that advice because a lot of people take that to mean, oh, I should never show interest in him. I should play a totally passive role. And you're kind of going back to the 40s and 50s if you want that, where, yes, you can, you can make that happen. But if you're getting them to chase you the whole time and you're doing nothing... A lot of my 60 plus clients struggle with this because they've been so brought up in a culture where they did nothing. The man always led the vulnerability. The man always led the interaction. So what happens when you want to say, Hey, I really like you and miss you. Mm. You can't sort of start a relationship in one way and then change the culture of it later on, or it's, it's difficult and clunky to do that. So if you want a relationship where it's like a normal human, how hey, I can say, I like you and it's not weird. I can say, I want to see you and it's not weird you've got to kick off some of those habits from the get go. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of people think, Oh, if I show interest, he's going to lose interest or he's going to get bored. Well, no, because if he like the metaphor, if he doesn't come over and approach you, he will realize mm -hmm. that you're perfectly willing to walk away. And like, you might be showing a clear signal, but you're not needy or desperate. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. a lot of us go, well, I don't want to be needy or desperate. So I just won't show anything at all. And I'll play the hard to get but we don't realize that you can show interest without being needy or desperate. True. Yes. Right. And, and there's a very, there's a lot of confidence and even vulnerability to showing interest because it's kind of like, I like you, but I'm not attached to the outcome. So I like you, but I'm also not so liking you that I'm going to put you on a pedestal and the guy might test it, but then you're like, okay, well you didn't come talk to me. And he's like, Oh, wait, 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 wait. You are cool. I do like you. <laughs> So like sometimes the guy's got to like feel that, that you're not over, over interested, but he'll feel it pretty quickly if that's true for you. And mm -hmm. that way you can show the interest and you can give the signals without being the needy or desperate person that we all fear to be. So another question is a lot of girls, I've heard from some girls that, you know, Hey, I'm a five. Like they've just rated themselves as a five. Like for me in the first place, I'm like, that's so wrong. You should be a 10 for you. It doesn't matter whether you're short, you're tall, you know, whatever. But anyway, they have accepted that they are a five and the guy's a 10, like he's out of my league. What do I do? What would you say to that? Well, first of all, if that's what you're saying, that's going to be your truth, right? Mm. So instantly what you said, Arabelle is, is if you're seeing yourself as a five and him as a 10, you've already lost right? You've mm -hmm. got to genuinely see yourself as a 10. And it's not because you're saying, oh, I'm perfect culture, whatever, blonde hair, blue eyes or big boobs, or whatever you think you're not. It's not about saying, well, I have to be that. It's about saying, well, what are the individual aspects of me that make me a 10? Mm -hmm. like, like genuinely, what is it about me? And I really encourage you with this to think longer term 
because I've dated tens and then you get to know them quote unquote tens. And then you get to know them. You're like, Oh, that was like a four at least relative to me. Cause she's not putting in any effort or she mm. might look good on my arm, but I'm sad with her and I can't be vulnerable with her. Like if, if you ever get the gift, my partner actually has a similar thing. She's like, I dated a 10. She's like, he was like some super lawyer with millions of dollars. He was like Mr. Florida. Or She's like, it was useless. Right. <laughs> like sometimes you just need that. You need to date a 10 to realize that they're actually a four when it, when it relates to you. This is not like saying they're a bad person or anything, but if you want to score someone, score them on their ability to be a partner for you. Mm. Right. And your ability to mm. be a partner for them. And you can only find that shit out after months of doing it, after months of seeing mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But this idea that like someone is a 10 is just high school crock of shit, basically, that just looks at a few superficial factors, which is like, oh, he's certain status or some other BS. And it's like having a giant cake and then finding out some like a giant, beautiful cake. And then you find out no one put the chef forgot the sugar. Like, well, it looks great, but what the hell's the point of that? Like, it's just what, so I can say I have a nice cake. Really think if, if you're going to score, and I strongly discourage using scores, but if you, want to, if you want to label things with a score, get out of the high school transactional mindset and think, okay, what actually makes someone a 10? Them putting effort into me, them wanting to be there for me, their consistency and all those things for you towards them. Mm. So you've really got to step out of that high school mindset and, and I think not use scores at all, but if you are going to use them, mm-hmm. use them on shit that actually matters. So what would you say are some simple actionable items that women can start feeling using the scores for them to start feeling that they're a 10? Like I, what you said early in our conversation today, that I fully accept myself. I fully accept my flaws. I'm actually starting to learn to love, my, love myself, accept myself that sort of thing. So what would you say are the three to five things that women can start doing? Yeah, great question. I'd say number one, learn about what men are actually, like what men come to relationship for. And if you're around guys that are coming to relationship for a certain physical look or a certain candy on my arm, whatever, that's not what the masculine real men are in relationship for. Like they're in a space to follow their purpose more and find more freedom. The feminine brings the gift of it allows us men to get to know our emotions. So you give him access to more of his emotional world. Cause we're all, mm. so many of us are so inhibited in that. Like really think about, well, what is it that men are truly going to value? Not the superficial stuff, but the deep stuff, deep acceptance, vulnerability, connection, support, freedom, all those things that you bring to his life. But think about what men are really wanting And then think about, well, how will I provide them? Mm -hmm. You know, I was on a client call the other day and she was so focused on the superficial stuff that I said, well, what's a unique thing that you bring? And she talked about how loyal she would be and how uh, accepting she would be and and the the space she would hold for him to process his own emotions and all those sorts of gifts. Mm -hmm. And I said, every time you get focused on the fact that you're not skinny or whatever she was focusing on, I said, verbally cancel that thought and change your focus to the things that you know you will be in relationship that men really value. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's a really big thing. And you've got to tease those things out because through when you're younger, it is a fairly transactional world. Most people just want to date the hottest person. You're just looking for social points and you've got to pull yourself out of that and really think, well, what is relationship actually about? What is it on a deeper level about? And then Mm -hmm. connect up the things that you will bring and only you can know this. Like what are the unique things that you know you will do that you know you Mm -hmm. will bring? I'll sometimes get clients to write out a list of like a hundred things that they bring to relationship, 
right? Wow. Then we, yeah, and it takes a little while because sometimes they're like, Mark, I've got four and I don't know anymore. I'm like, great, 96 to go. (laughs) By continually focusing back on the things that they bring, just making an everyday habit of either reading it or embodying it, Mm -hmm. you're reminding your nervous system what you do bring. And so mm. instead of seeing yourself like a four, you're starting to go, okay, I'm a seven. I'm feeling like an eight. And then you take action in your own life. Maybe you stop letting your fears get in your way in your health and you, you set a new money goal and go after it and you start to feel, well, eight becomes a nine, nine and a half. Mm-hmm. And it comes out in the way you interact and you yeah. start to act like a 10 around guys. And of course, they then start to believe it. I love it. And for me, as, as you were saying, what I was thinking was, okay, make a list of all the things that I, I as in like every woman who's listening to this interview can bring to a relationship. But I feel that it has to be something that is you, right? So let's say, for example, if a guy likes a woman cooking for him, for me personally, I don't like cooking. So I'm not going to put that onto my list just because the guy likes it, right? Because that's not right. really something that I enjoy. So instead of making a food, I probably put smoothies or something like that, <laughs> which is something that I enjoy because then it makes me more fun to be around. Is that correct? Yeah, I would be a little careful with doing things is the only thing I'd say. If you go, oh, I'm going to do this thing and that's going to be, those are nice, like put those on the list. But the best stuff is being things. It's things that you just uh... are that come from you, like the emotional energy you bring, things mm-hmm. that like in a inter if he's just like talking to you or interacting with you what benefits does he get he's going to feel accepted for his insecurities he's going to get to feel my presence he's going to get to feel my my vulnerability my share with him you know he's Mm -hmm. going to get the and then how does that benefit him like all those great things because a man with a good woman in his life goes so much further gets so much more has such a better relationship with his emotions there's so many benefits to guys for having a solid woman, but we often forget them because we get so focused on why well, I don't look like the, the Instagram model or whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah. So you can just definitely use doing stuff, but make sure a good chunk of your list is being stuff, stuff that mm-hmm. underneath the surface, the, the stuff that couples never post on Instagram, but you know, really good couples do it behind closed doors. Yeah. Like that sort yeah. Of stuff. Something popped up in my mind as we were talking about this. I've heard you spoke about high value women or maybe along those lines. So what is it? What's a high value woman who can really be solid in her presence and show up in a really, I don't know, in a classy way? Is that a correct way to say that? Yeah, there's all different interpretations of that. I, I talk a lot about feminine masculine energy. And I like to think of really empowered feminine energy. And what does that mm-hmm. look like? Because I find that a bit easier to conceptualize. Okay. Yeah. And, and when, when a woman, and I think these two are pretty closely correlated, but whether you call it high value woman or really empowered feminine energy, there's really five pieces that come together that, that I mm-hmm. see that you got to push through a bit of fear to create them, but they're very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. The first one is like your queen energy. Mm. which is kind of your boundaries, your standards, your poise, how you show up. And it's your ability also to challenge your man, Mm -hmm. which is when a man steps out of integrity, one of the greatest gifts a woman brings is that when she's really in her queen energy, she can kind of call him out on it without it being a nag or a negative thing. But like my partner or partners I've had in the past, they'll sort of, if I step out of integrity or if I get a bit selfish, they will challenge me on that. 
They'll, they'll mm. kind of pull me up. They'll know when to challenge me and they'll know how to create space for me to lift myself up. They're not, mm. they're not doubting that they are wrong. They've got that really like, okay, Mark, this isn't, this isn't you. What's going on with you? You know, they, they just do it in that, that nice challenging way that isn't negative, but they're really able to draw me up back into my best self or my integrity. Mm. So the queen is number one. What we refer to as the maiden is the mm-hmm. second and the maiden is like the vulnerable side. If the queen is a challenger, the maiden is the truster. So if there's two things that you can really bring to a man's life, it's challenge and trust in the right mm-hmm. doses. If you're all trust, no challenge, you become the sort of nice girl dependent. If there's all challenge, no trust, you become the, I don't need no man, men, da, 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 be better. You know, you're over challenging. And also when you're really in your maiden is when you you open up to us and, and we get to see like whether you are, because you go so much more deeply into your emotions than we do or we see, that gives us permission to explore those emotions too. Mm. And whether it's like softness or sadness or, or joy, women just tend to have such a wider emotional expression. When you ladies feel safe to express that around us, it displays trust in us, first of all. And it also yeah. gives us the opportunity to really see you and even explore those sides of ourselves. So challenge and trust, two big ones. Yep. I think yep. it's a really, really amazing thing that women bring in. Mm. Uh, that, that intuition Mm-hmm. And we call it the priestess energy. It's kind of this intuition. You guys have such an intuition that oh, yes. I really only dream of. And, you know, I'm like, for example, I'm still good friends with, with an ex of mine, right? And mm-hmm. I couldn't help but laugh at this. So we took, we took a lot of time off. We didn't see each other for a couple of years. And then we came back to being friends. And uh, my partner, it's weird because she's on the other side of the world at the moment. She kind of knows when we hang out. It's the weirdest thing. She's like, you hung out with Ange today. I was like, yeah, yeah I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. she knows. Like, it's it's amazing. And it's really beautiful. And it just reminds me that I could never, ever lie to her ever because I'd never get <laughs> lied right? Yeah. So, so that's that's very inspiring. And seeing mm. a woman in her intuition is massive for a man. Mm. Uh, the, the fourth is the, the what we call the princess energy, mm-hmm. which is the presence and the playfulness. Women tend to have such a better ability than we do to be in the moment which is us men tend to compartmentalize and we tend to focus on work and we tend to always be looking into the future with the masculine. So when we have a woman who can bring us into the present, it's rare that we get to play as much. It's rare that we get to be as in the moment, but it could be like you drag us to a playground or you just, there's a certain thing that the feminine energy can do where you, you have the ability to really bring a man into the present moment and Mm. feel and explore and sense. So Mm. that's a huge gift and it also obviously takes trust because you got to trust yourself and trust Absolutely. the moment. So those are the four. And then the fifth one that we refer to is the seductress, which is obviously mm-hmm. the incredible sexual energy, the beautiful sexual experience that, you know, I think there's no more beautiful sight or feel, whatever you want to call it to a man than just a woman in full sexual expression. Mm. And that's just a gift that, you know, all of these gifts are not, things we're going to get from our buddy Steve but especially that one it's just (laughs) such a different experience so it's all these beautiful energies that that women bring to our lives and that to me is when you get those five energies and you're really embodying that empowered feminine energy the queen the maiden the priestess the princess and the seductress you can just sense a woman who's in those energies it's the way she walks the way she looks at you the way she speaks how relaxed she is but she can change gears and be challenging or trusting it's the flow and the movement between those energies that to me really denotes 
high value and yeah empowering empowering feminine in our lives yeah oh my god i love this and as the people who are listening to this i do these archetypes in our retreats and we get them to either find people or pictures or paintings that represent each archetypes so that they can actually visually see it because sometimes yeah, if I tell people cool. like being the queen archetype, they'll be like, um, don't know what it is. For those who are listening, like if you don't know how to start with this, maybe, yeah, just find some people who actually embody these energies or qualities who represent each archetype so that you can visually see it. And then you can not copy them, but model them and see how they walk and talk and be. And I think that would be a really good place to start with. And I love everything you just said, Mark, because absolutely like for me, this is something that I've been working on. I'm so good in my masculine. Like I'm good at hustling. I'm good at working nonstop. I'm good at achieving my goals. I'm good at all of that. But being in my feminine is something that I've been working on to be present and to be soft, nurturing. And it's something that I think a lot of high achieving women these days struggle because all they know is that they need to be more like a man in order to achieve in their life. And I think that kind of propelled men away in the dating world as well, isn't it? There's two ways human beings handle stress. We either underfunction and we procrastinate and we put things off or we overfunction and we take more control. We do more. And I had a past partner who was a little like this. Basically, if, if you're more an overfunctioning, leaning person with my past partner, she basically had to raise her younger sister as a mum. So she was kind of a mum from a very young age. And I hear those sorts of stories a lot. Uh, and the other common overfunctioner story is, one client of mine, super duper doctor, I think double fellowship, but she always grew up and academia was kind of the one place where she received a lot of love. Mm. So for whatever reason in our childhood, often an overfunctioner can be born. And I think one of the real challenges for women is that if your stress pattern is more the overfunctioner leaning, you will find that you have a lot of professional success because overfunctioners get rewarded. Capitalistic society just tends to reward overfunctioning with money and success a lot more than underfunctioning. So those of us who handle stress by overfunctioning can get quite far professionally. But especially when it comes to the feminine energy, it, it works against you because if you're overfunctioning all the time, when men are here trying to feel useful in our lives, if you're overfunctioning, you will you'll get respect and, and, and you'll get friends and you'll get liked, but you won't create polarized attraction because you're not in that trusting energy. And if you're like, every time you get stressed, you were on the motor, you put the accelerator down, I'm stressed, I'll do more, I'll distract more. It's a very good way to, you know, I had one client this morning and she said, look, I've just realized that all my overfunctioning is because my self-esteem is really low. And that was a big moment for this super successful a property woman to admit she's like I've just been running from the feelings of low self-esteem and I do it through work the hard part is that men who do this will get away with it a little longer and it'll be a little less obvious problem because an underfunctioning woman will actually vibe that and find attraction for it now they have their own problems so it's definitely not a solution but he won't have an attraction problem he'll more have relationship problems down the line Whereas women who are severe overfunctioners tend to have more attraction problems up front because that, that maiden energy, that trusting side of things, they're, they're too much challenge, not enough trust, basically. 
and mm. uh, as men we to step into our power like my partner makes way more money than me right she's she's great she's amazing but the fact that she trusts me emotionally and the fact like i don't really care too much about that it's great i respect her for it but that's not why i'm with her right it's the emotional connection where she does step down into trust that makes me feel great around her I, I feel i have a use like i'm useful here i don't need to provide money but i have other uses in this relationship because otherwise like what's the point of me being here oh got it i learned it the hard way by the way like in yeah, my yeah. previous relationships you know i was so in my masculine that if we have to move couch or move a bed or i'll be like i can do this myself you know <laughs> like, like oh, you want to feel useful you. let us feel useful <laughs> bye bye yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now it's like even if it's a bag of potato it's like can you carry for me he's like yes for me <laughs> and that's why receiving is such a big thing uh you know yeah. i've every client who's come to me wants to receive they're like i want more men to chase me i want to receive i want to i want to take that in but for over functioners receiving can be anxiety provoking <laughs> is the way you just gotta i say to my overfunctioning clients girl sometimes you just gotta step back and risk the world burning yeah right? yeah there's a great saying don't just do something stand there mm. <laughs> which is the old under functioners don't just don't just stand there do something over functioners don't just do yeah. something stand there and just mm. sit with it and trust and let someone else take over and like i say professionally you'll have a lot of success by overfunctioning, but personally it's not gonna go super well especially if you're running from self-esteem stuff. Since, what, 20 years ago, we've had this book, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. And, you know, there's this big difference between men and women. And we've got all sorts of cartoons and videos and visual representations um, of how different men and women are. And what I, or what we understand is that women are complicated and men are simple. But, you know, all these labels and stereotypes that we have. So can you tell us what do men want in a woman and how can we understand men more? It's dangerous to label men as simple because we're, we're really not. The thing is that women have a lot, I don't know if it's culture or whether it's a bit of genetics as well, whether men are just born to do this a little bit better, but, but men do tend to have a better ability to just compartmentalize emotions and, and put them aside. It's much more common that you see a breakup, girls at home crying the next day and the guy just compartmentalizes and goes out with his friends. And women are like, men are so simple. Like, does he forget him? Does he forget me? Does he not have emotions? So maybe on the surface, because men have this thing where we kind of, anything that's below like a level six or a seven in emotions just becomes a zero. So I guess we look simple from the outside, but a lot of the work I do is helping women understand men's fears and how deep men do run. And that mm. guy that puts his, that compartmentalizes his breakup for a week suffers months afterwards with that push down mm -hmm. pain. And then he starts doing weird shit that doesn't make sense. And it makes perfect sense once you look at the overall picture and once I explain this to my clients and really understanding that men carry a lot of fear, men mm -hmm. carry a lot of conditioning. And anytime you see a man, whether it's pulling away or not talking to you or jumping on Tinder again, or running from a perfectly reasonable request, like saying you're needy when you want to talk to him once or twice a week, like men doing weird shit is because of deeper stuff. It's because of a fear that's come up in them that there's so much depth to men that it's very easily to take what we do personally and mm -hmm. put your own narratives on it. 
but 90% of this is, is our own shit that we're dealing with, that there's cultural conditioning around money, around what's a man's purpose these days, around all this stuff that we are sorting out. Men are just different to women. I, I don't think I'd say that we're simpler. Mm -hmm. Maybe on the surface, it can look that way. Being able to look deeper is going to give you a lot of empowerment and it's going to give you a lot of confidence when it comes to challenging men, calling them out as well. Because instead of thinking mm -hmm. you're the problem, you're going to see through to what's really going on which is again, the beautiful intuition. Understanding feminine masculine energy and how that polarity looks, I'd say is a big one. A simple thing is that men really need purpose. It's kind of in our being, it's in our DNA to, to be useful in some way and to find a purpose in life because we can't bear mm -hmm. children. So why the F are we really here? You know, we need, we need a reason to be here. And a lot of women come to me confused because they're like, oh, Mark, he's sort of pulling away from relationship. He's in a weird space. And I said, well, does he have any purpose or has he, what's gone, what's going on for him? And she says, no, no, he doesn't right now, but I don't care about that. I'm like, mm. you might not, but he sure as hell does. Mm. Right. Mm. So men are very, very purpose driven. And if we don't have a purpose or if our purpose isn't obvious to us, we tend to just pull away from relationship in most forms. Mm. And this can go on for some men's sixties and their entire lives. Purpose is a big piece. And if mm -hmm. a man, even something as simple as you might think, oh, he's graduated college. A lot of guys mm -hmm. will pull away from relationship right at the moment they graduate college mm -hmm. because it, they've gone from, I have a purpose. My purpose is to graduate. That's my target. And I'm great. I can have relationship close. And then as soon as they lose a target and get scattered, they will just move away from most relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. In general. So from, from what I've seen, I think what we're, we as women can do also, especially now that we're moving, also moving into relationship questions from dating. If we're in a relationship with a man who lost his purpose or who hasn't found his purpose, I think rather than controlling him, if we actually support him to find his purpose, that actually helps us as well, right? Right, exactly. That, that's the best thing you can do is just trust and, and support him, believe in him. Some guys will dust themselves off, get back on the horse and appreciate that. But the more you pressure, the more he'll repel from that pressure at the time. Yeah. So if you just say, look, babe, you're going to do this. I believe in you. You're going to sort this. You give him that little bit of space to feel like he does have the freedom to find purpose. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully he finds it. And of course, there will be situations where in the meantime, he pulls totally away and your needs obviously matter too. And that's where you've got to make kind of a difficult decision. Like, do I want to give him more space or do I want to bring the hammer down on my needs? Mm. And just mm -hmm. depending on the guy, that's, that's obviously going to vary. You saying like you should do more or putting pressure on him. It's give him the space that you can, if he lacks purpose, because yeah. that's how he's going to come back to you is if he feels supported in that. One thing that I have seen in a lot of women is when they are in a relationship with a guy, they tend to lose themselves. And they start mm. to give, 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 give. And I see a lot of women in my community have no problem giving. But after a while, they don't know who they are anymore. And they also start to feel like, I actually love that person, but I don't know if I love myself. A lot of teachings say that you've got to love yourself first before you can actually truly love another. So is that true? And if it were to be true, how does self-love and love for another person in relationships work. And a lot of giving as well comes from a place of fear, which is, yes. it's not really love. It's like, if I don't give, he's not going to love me Ooh. because receiving can be just as powerful. 
as giving. In fact, receiving can, cre can create more love, but you have to step back and trust it will happen. And so instead we get into fear patterns where we give and give because often we've been raised as good little girls who when you do things for people, you are more loved. And so we associate giving and love as the same thing. But that's just that's just a story. Receiving has equal power. You hit the nail on the head. Oh my God, that is so true. Yes, I see that pattern a lot. Okay, so people are like, now we see that. Okay, I've been giving a lot from a place mm. of fear. I give, give, give because I want to be loved. I want to be liked. I want him to know that I exist. Mm -hmm. I want him to give me a little bit more attention. Yeah. And so, okay, I'm going to stop that. And I'm going to actually start loving myself. I'm going to start giving myself and filling my cup first. But how yeah. do I do that? What would you say to them? There's actually a receiving piece in there as well, because you're receiving to yourself. Mm. So saying, well, what are you not doing for yourself? What are you not receiving? whether it's receiving mm -hmm. love from friends, whether it's receiving, making time for yourself for play, whether it's whatever you need to receive from yourself, because the more you can give to yourself and therefore receive, the more you're going to be able to emulate that in your outside world and, mm -hmm. and say, well, I deserve to receive. Mm -hmm. That's actually really hard. It's like, I deserve to receive. I deserve to receive. That, that will challenge a lot of people. One of the simplest ways I do this practically is to get every client to do a wins journal and write down okay. all their wins for the day, uh, okay. every single day. The first thought that a lot of women have is they might say, I went to work and I went on this meeting and those are my only wins for the day. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, did you eat healthy breakfast? And she says, well, mm. yeah, that's not, that's not a win. I'm like, what are you talking about? And that is she, a win. I was like, yeah, I was like, why is that not a win? She's like, oh, I don't deserve that. Like, see, your receiving muscle sucks. Like, why is that not a win? Give yourself some damn credit. And then I'll break down the work down. Don't just say you went to work. List to me the dozen, two dozen amazing things you did at work. Oh, that's too much credit. No, that's too much. Yeah. Break it down and give yourself credit for each and every thing. And they're getting, they don't even change their days at all. And they go from two wins to like 20 wins just by receiving mm -hmm. more credit from themselves that gets them feeling good. And then they're more receiving, they're more nice to themselves, that snowballs. And it just kind of goes into, hey, yeah, I am awesome and I do deserve this. And, and my experience has always been the women who are givers will never hit the selfish spectrum where they're like receiving mm -hmm. too much. Giving is actually a masculine trait. It's like, it's like penetration of a situation as opposed to receiving. Right. I teach about receiving a lot but I've mm -hmm. never thought about it in this sense because like I teach a course on money and it's yeah. about like for us to receive more and more money we need to have that capacity to receive first and yes. it can literally be that you know if we pick up 10 cents on the road receive thank you you yeah. know but now that you said it I'm like actually I can apply what you're saying in so many different areas in our lives because it's the same practice that's going to help us receive more and more goodness into our lives. If you're doing it right, like it's uncomfortable at first. And the more you mm. receive, the more uncomfortable it gets. So this yeah. is where the growth yeah. comes in and the uncomfortable part comes in is like, yeah, I do deserve this. Yeah, I can do this for me. And of course, what happens is when you're filling your own cup and when you are really receiving from yourself, you will then bounce back and you'll find yourself doing some giving acts out of love. Like your cup will just be so full that you're like, bam, in such a good mood. I'm making you dinner. Like, and you'll want to do it and you'll know because the giving act will give you more energy and it will come yes. from a place of like overflow. You're like, I'm just in such a good place. I've done my yoga. I've done my exercise. I've like spent time with the kids. I've like having such a good day that I've decided I'm making dinner. 
and he might say, baby, don't have to. You're like, no, I want to do it today because it's fun. Yeah. And, and it comes from, that's when giving is love. It's, it's, def- like, no, it's definitely a different energy because you're no longer coming from a place of fear where if I don't cook dinner for him, is he going to be pissed off or right. is he going to complain or whatever, rather than coming from that place where, oh my God, I am such in a good mood that I'm going to make steak tonight or whatever. Yeah. When we are dating, you know, we put a lot of effort into each other. There's a lot of excitement, not knowing when he's going to call or when he's going to show up, or especially in this situation, like don't know when the quarantine's going to be over and all of that. And, but when two people get into a relationship and one year, two years yeah, into yeah. a relationship, we stop putting in the effort. And then we tend to, a lot of people tend to fall out of love and they stay in the relationship just for the sake of keeping the relationship or because of fear or whatever. So Mm -hmm. from your experience, what would you suggest to people who are in a long-term relationship, but they're feeling like there's no spark, they're falling out of love and they're no longer putting in those kind of effort that they put in, I don't know, five, 10 years ago. Yeah, I think Esther Perel talks about this a lot and she's got some great content on it. I, I love the idea of creating more space, ironically, mm. which is when, when there's too much closeness and too much enmeshment, you kind of get fused and there's no space to miss your partner. I think the quote is that passion is relative to risk. So the more risk that you can insert, the more passion you're going to have. So if you're in that space and then you start, you say, okay, no, I'm going to do a bunch of my own things. I'm going to do this hobby that I love. I'm going to go out and make some new friends. And you kind of build this life. It gives that extra space for your partner to miss you that little bit, to see you in your best energy, to kind of, see the person that probably at the start he fell for because at the start there's so much space naturally that all you do is close it but once it's closed you've got to make that space a little bit more purposefully because it's not there inherent in the situation having your own purpose having your own set of friends doing things that are away that you love whatever it is if you can just move a little bit away from your partner to Mm -hmm. light yourself up in that space You'll often find that that reignites things. And you talk about a man needing to find his purpose, but I feel that a woman needs to have her purpose as well. So when two people are on purpose and they are living their life fully, then it, to me, that is super attractive because we're no longer living in this place of, I haven't got anything to do. I'm so bored. Should I text him? Is he talking to other girls? You know, it's just not attractive at all. But when we are busy, when we're doing things that light us up, I think that makes us super attractive and fun to be around for not just men, for women and everyone else, to be honest. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important women look after their masculine sides just as men look after their feminines. The difference is that if if you're a sort of working woman who already has a decent masculine charge, you probably don't need to worry about your masculine as much as opposed Mm -hmm. to a man might not have as much practice in his feminine and he might actually need to do a little more stuff around being present and getting in touch with his emotions. He might have to be a little more purposeful about having that side. But if you have just feminine and he has just masculine you're going to have no purpose he's not going to be connected to his feelings so you've got to have that other side to you so now this question is so broad but this is something that we see a lot and especially unfortunately in a big part of my community because a lot of women come to me with this question now they've been in a relationship they love each other they seem to be doing well on the surface but the guy has cheated on her and so Number one, I guess the question is, 
just in broad general explanation, I guess, if you can give that, um, why do men cheat? And um, the second question is, if a woman has accepted that or decided to stay with the men, how do I trust him? Good topic. Good can of worms to open there. <laughs> so I will mention that I've done a lot of studies, looked up a lot of studies and research on this. I haven't found evidence that men cheat more than women. And there's different reasons, like there's different peoples, as in the men who cheat and the women who cheat are not generally together often. Men's reasons for cheating, women's reasons for cheating are quite different. So we'll focus on men. A lot of men are brought up with basically this idea that, okay, you, you need to purpose, you need to make yourself useful in society in some way. And the typical ways that you do that are going to be money is the first one. Are you earning? And then are women interested in you? There's an inherent fear in men that if I commit to you one-to-one, -one, you could very easily cuckold me, basically. Mm -hmm. Right? You could very easily... And, and my intuition sucks as well, so I wouldn't even know. Kind of an inherent fear in men that basically we are going to get cheated on. And so the one thing we can do to protect ourselves, which is why a lot of guys fear commitment, is hedge our bets. This is why on Tinder, why we so often like talk to five, six women at a time, even some of the biggest players I know, it comes from a place of fear, which is if I'm mm -hmm. dating 10 women, it doesn't, it's like, it's not the end of the world if I lose one. Whereas mm. if you're dating one woman, and especially if you, that, that makes you very vulnerable as a man, this inherent sort of quiet fear that, that bubbles away that, well, if I'm not good enough, she's going to cheat. So I have to hedge bets. Right? It's certainly not our best selves and it's, it's not good behavior, but on an evolutionary basis, that's kind of why it happens. So I really encourage clients to have these conversations with men, mm -hmm. which is like, okay, when this comes up, what, you know, when we do find attraction for others or, or how are we going to handle it? Cause it's mm -hmm. so much easier now. 50 years ago, it was like a pain in the ass to cheat. You had to like walk down the street and knock on the door <laughs> and like, it was just easier to solve problems at home. Now in those weak moments, people can jump on Tinder and sure. fuck up their relationship basically. Sure. So I really encourage those conversations like, Hey, is, is long-term monogamy? Is that what you're wanting? Like, mm. and tell me the truth. You know, I don't want to, don't want to sugarcoat it. What are we going to do if we feel attraction for another? Do we are like, where's our line? A lot of couples don't even talk about, well, is flirting cheating or mm. can I talk to others? I kind of like, I like a little bit when my partner floats with other guys because it's like it adds a little bit of threat and bring, allows mm. me to like create that space I was talking about before. It's like, no, other guys want her and I like want to grab her back every time. As in more risk equals more passion. If you have been cheated on, it's it's really screwed up situation and it's a horrible thing to go through. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't been yet, I'd encourage you to have these conversations. Uh, if you have then any relationship wound like that, especially a trust one, has to be built back over time. So you've together. got to, yeah, together. Right. And, it, and yeah. it usually means that one partner has to sh show the pain that he's caused. Mm. Um, when, when a couple truly heals, it's because, let's take the man in this example, the man really shows that he understands the pain that he's caused. And it mm -hmm. usually requires like, an, it's not going to happen suddenly, it's over time. Yeah. And then there is a new policy put in place to rebuild trust. Mm. 
So that might be an open phone policy or some kind of like boundary policy or something that he's agreed to. So he, he really shows, he doesn't just say, Oh, sorry, babe. Like he really shows almost the equivalent pain for hurting her that he's caused in her. So Mm -hmm. he like really owns it. So she feels it's almost like a weird human thing. We need to like balance out the pain. So the pain that she feels he acknowledges and even feels himself for causing it. And then the trust is rebuilt through some kind of new policy. It's, yeah. it's not an easy thing. You could even have like little betrayals where if someone has a different definition of what cheating is and say that sure. person flirts or dances on another person, even shit like that can take a while to heal when they don't kiss or do anything together. True. So, so couples that haven't been cheated on, I encourage you have the conversations, know where each other's limits are. Mm-hmm. And if you have had that happen, it is a pretty pretty deep healing process it takes time it takes remorse genuine real remorse and it takes a new trust system just to recap because this is such a big topic for a lot of people i think it's really important for couples if they haven't now i'm not cheating if they haven't had that conversation start having those conversations now where are your boundaries where are your limits define what cheating is for you right and have those difficult conversations so that the guy also knows what he can cross and not cross yeah and same thing for the woman as well and if it did happen, if the cheating did happen, and if you, if we do choose to stay in the relationship, then work together and try and find that forgiveness within ourselves as much as we can, because otherwise we're just going to keep on nagging the guy and it's just going to make things work. But if the man doesn't show any remorse or want to sh- like uh, try and build that trust with her again, then I guess... I guess it's us for us to actually really ask ourselves, do I want to tolerate this? Am I going to be available for this kind of relationship or where do I draw? Right. Is that correct? And, yeah. And you're probably going to have harbored resentment and stuff's going to brew up over time. So if someone's not remorseful at all, and, and this is, this is hard for the, the man or the cheater because they have to really eat humble pie and say, yeah, I, I fucked yeah. up and, and I'm, I'm not perfect or my ego is really hurt. So if someone's not willing to show that remorse, it, um, it's not a good sign for the relationship. And you've yeah. got to ask yourself if you want to stay in that based on yeah. that. Yeah. One thing that I also find is that from what I've heard, the stories is a lot of men cheat because their needs are not met at home. And so they go out and look for someone else who will fulfill their needs. And then, but they don't have emotional connection with that person that who they cheated with but they just come home and now their needs are met. Is that like, that seems to be a common thing that a lot of women see as well. So if that were to be the case, what can we do in order to try and stop that from happening? I guess. I think if, whether you're male or female, if you have a need that's not being met, your brain will find a way to get it done. I love that. Yes. True. Right. If, if you're feeling unloved every day, eventually, do you know how many women come to me and they say, Mark, my marriage has been lacked affection for years. And, and now I've danced with this guy at a work party or some guy gave me a hug at work and I'm totally obsessed with him now. I can't stop thinking about this work colleague. He hasn't done anything for me. I'm just so mm. focused on him. Like, yeah, you've had a chronically unmet need and your brain is yeah. just finding whatever, whatever thing brushes past it now to grab onto. <laughs> and this, I guess, brings into the question, what are the needs that are being unmet? And even yeah. conversations around are humans built because long-term monogamy is quite difficult. You know, it's, it's a, mm. it's not something we're fully built for man or woman. 
mm-hmm. and there's different mm-hmm. biological stuff I won't go into, but yeah, you've got to be able to have these conversations, which is, well, if a needs not being met, how do we make sure that's addressed? Do we have, mm-hmm. you know, check-ins every month or every three months or when someone really does have a need that's not being met, like, how do we, I know couples that have opened up their relationship successfully to meet that need with full above the table. It's an unmet need for sure, but unmet needs are important. And whether you're man or woman, they find a way to get met if you ignore them for long enough. And it's usually, if let's say the man has had that unmet need and he finally says, okay, I'm not feeling any physicality or appreciation in my relationship. So I do something under the table and I go and cheat and he probably hates Mm -hmm. himself for it, but he does it. If we backtrack from that, he's really not owning the need, is he? He's not bringing it up with his partner, probably because he doesn't want to hurt her feelings or wants to avoid the difficult conversation. But the need finds a way. It comes back Mm. and the the brain figures it out. If we can't get a need met in a healthy way, Mm -hmm. we find an unhealthy way where you have to promote the healthy ways in your yeah, relationship. Yeah. Thank you for um, pointing that out. Okay, so now we are coming to the rapid fire round of oh, questions. Are you okay. ready, Mark? Okay, yes, I don't know what to expect, but let's do it. Okay, cool. So, what do you do for fun? Uh, I love indoor flying. Ooh, nice. Yeah. What's the weirdest thing about you? I have a veterinary degree. Okay, what's the one thing that you are most proud of? Mm, uh, overcoming social anxiety. Would not have guessed that. Wow. That must be big. That was huge for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was like social recluse to 200 nights in nightclubs. Like it was like fire. It was not fun wow. a lot of times, but it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you, which one are you? Superman or Dr. Strange? Oh, <laughs> I'm just Mark. I don't know. I'm neither. Can I answer neither? <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Neither. Yep. I'd be Doctor Strange. Yeah, I definitely would feel weird saying I'm Superman. I'm definitely not Superman. So I guess if you made me pick, I'd say Doctor Strange. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is the one piece of advice you would? I mean, you've given a lot, but one last piece of advice that you would leave with for our audience today? I would say don't don't get wrapped into the fantasy that love is all you need. If you want to do partnership, yes, you do need love, but you also need compatibility and relationship skills. So don't get sucked into the fantasy of love is all you need. Mm, I love that. Mark, thank you so much for your time, sharing all your wisdom here and just who you are as a person. I appreciate you. We all really, really appreciate you. And I'm just going to put all the links to your YouTube videos and your amazing goodness, everything that you are offering it to the blog post so people can go and stalk you and check you out and work with you if they choose to. But thank you for doing the work that you are doing. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't yet, please make sure you leave a five-star review on iTunes. That way I could bring more people to inspire you to live your best life. Also, don't forget to connect with me on Instagram. Just look up Arabelle Yee. Take care and talk to you again in the next episode.